0: world pass first point guard and blazer beat writer mike Richmond. you are listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts today's episode is a very special one we are joined by singer songwriter and known blazers pessimist casey anderson (laughs) true to his core a blazer fan who is a non-believer and then a true believer and then a non-believer again casey how you doing
1: I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you. Uh, if you are looking to find Casey, you can follow him at Elise Def on Twitter. He'll talk more about where you can find more of his stuff near the end of this show. If you are new to Locked On Blazers, we do things in three parts. We're going to do them in three parts here, talking all about the Blazers restart from the perspective of, like I said, a true to his core pessimistic Blazer fan. Let's get right into it. By flipping the script, Casey, what are you most excited about three games into this Blazers restart? Uh, A couple things. I mean, I think the
1: team coming back gave all of us a chance to see Dame play for at least eight more games, which is exciting and kind of more than I expected. Like, I was really skeptical that the NBA was going to be able to pull this off safely, and they have so far, and that's been a great surprise. Um, I think like most fans, I am really excited – not just by what Gary Trent Jr is doing now but by thinking about how he could fit into the team's future because mm-hmm. he provides a lot of things that I think they have been missing um he doesn't i don't know that he has the size to really be the wing player that they have needed for a few years but it's been really really exciting to see him come out of the gates in the bubble and play the way that he was playing before the league shut down
0: uh, a absolute fearless at six five if he was six eight he'd be a different player he wouldn't be on the blazers he would have been drafted in the first round right like yeah but he is i, I agree with you he is as he is everything they could ever want a, a guy who is interested in playing defense and can really really shoot it which um they've had wings that sort of don't fit all don't Check those boxes. Maybe not interested in defense, or maybe cannot shoot it. And uh, Gary, Gary, just he's fun if nothing else. A lot of fun. He's really fun. I mean, even just like the outfit coming into the game. The oh other man, was
1: fun. Yeah. And yeah. I also go ahead. I love that he. I mean, it's very clear that he has done something that a lot of young players, I think, don't do, which is he's continued to work on his game throughout the season. And I think that you see a lot of young players kind of once they've have figured out their role with the team they get comfortable in that role and and start to look toward the off season when they're going to work on the weak spots in their game and it's clear from just watching Gary play over the course of this year that he started to pick away at those weak spots in practices and as the season has progressed and that's super impressive. Yeah.
0: My conspiracy theory with Gary Trent Jr. is that when uh Neil and the gang started saying that Anthony Simons was the best player they'd ever drafted, he said, yo, what the hell? Like what, what <laughs> like, like what the hell? Like Anthony's my friend and I play against him every day and I'm I'm as good as he is. You know, like he was just like I I am that. I, I don't yeah. understand why I'm not I don't get my name mentioned. And not that he like him and him and Ant are like legitimately friends. They hang out. But uh, I think that was my conspiracy theories. That was a little motivation for him to be like, I can be a contributor. I know that they've cleared the the decks for Ant to play, but like, I'm ready. And I, and uh, when he, since his 21st birthday in Oklahoma City, he has proven he is ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Arguably uh, much more ready than, than Ant has looked over the course of the season.
0: I think the what's unfortunate or what's, like Ant didn't ask to be put on this crazy pedestal. He's a 20 year old who's maybe not ready for the for the bright lights. And that is a normal thing. Um, so I, I feel like he just got he just it was just unfortunate how it how it shook out for Ant was unfortunate because it wasn't in any of his doing that he was sort of propped up to be this superstar.
1: Yeah, that was those expectations were were set by I think that you know the way that that the organization talked about and, and the as excited as some of the players were once they had spent time with him at practice raised the the expectations of the fan base and that's I mean we've we've seen kind of the same thing with Zach the way that he was talked about after he was drafted and and some of the expectations that were set by the fan base and it just it's really hard to be that young and live up to those kind of expectations. Yeah,
0: it's it's it's. <laughs> Listen, talking about a twenty-year-old being ready to contribute in the best basketball league in the world is maybe a crazy thing to do. And I would recommend to the Blazer Brass listening to this podcast: don't just don't do it this year. Don't just <laughs> just don't do it. Just just don't. It's cool. Like you can say nice things without saying crazy things. Di- dial it back. Dial back twenty percent.
1: You can be complimentary of a player of a player and be proud of your scouting and your drafting without setting very unrealistic expectations for
0: anyone. Exactly, um, in in as long as we're before we we transition here, as long as things you are most excited about, what is your excitement level about seeing Yusuf Nurkic 470 days after a pretty gruesome injury?
1: Uh, it's extremely high, and I was at my wife and I were at the game where he sustained the injury, um, and I, you know, I mean, I think like every other Blazer fan, it was really, really moving maybe even more than I expected it to be to see him back on the court
0: yeah I I I did I mean I think he's the most fun part of for me the most fun part of the restart is that he's like really good immediately Um, yeah he didn't he didn't need much time he's just like oh yeah I'm really good I've been waiting for 16 months I'm really good um but it's I feel part of me feels sad that the thing that he was anticipating is the roar of the crowd and the hearing Mark Mason do his uh, introduction in, in uh, Bosnian and all those things that he doesn't get that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Nurk to get that sometime in the future, whenever that might be.
1: Me too. And not to like, I know we're talking about the excited part and not to be a downer, but I started to think about how, oh, OK, he'll get that the first home game of next season and maybe not.
0: I think we unlikely, but sometime yeah. in 2021, I think there will be. Some fans in the arena in some capacity, and Nurk will get his moment. It just might be two years after he wanted it. Yeah, he's
1: been—he just has been so good. And I—I mean, I—I think one of the funny things about Blazers fans is um, that—and someone brought this up on Twitter today. Like, there aren't a lot of other fan bases where within the fan base they have to remind each other how good one of the players is. (laughs) And I think we have really, really taken what nurk does for the team for granted over the course of his time here and like they're a different team they were um, they are immediately a different team with him back on the court
0: yeah it's amazing the to me it's like yeah i know like intellectually that he's he's significantly better than hassan whiteside but it's hard to put the expectations into a way that my brain can totally process and then you watch it you're like Oh, yeah, he just does everything he just he yep. can pass and he can defend and he might be a little bit slow, but he's always gigantic and he just goes so damn hard. You do not have yeah. to worry about his motor. yep all right let's um let's get back to your to your sort of uh, core competencies and we'll talk about <laughs> <laughs> your your biggest concern, your true pessimism in the second segment. but before we get there, I want to tell all my listeners about my bookie. Say it with me now, sports are back, baby! And now it's the time to get in on the fun with my bookie. My bookie is a slam dunk and a triple overtime game winner all wrapped into one. You'll love it, and that should be all you need to hear to to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with Major League Baseball back, MLS in full swing, and the NBA restart going, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out their World Series future bets. That's right, if you're a baseball fan, now is the time to show you believe. Get in on your squad's chances while it's hot why well, stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking to the future, and that means basketball, hockey, football. You name it. My bookie's already accepting bets on all your favorite sports and games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 for an MLB future waiver. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. All right. We're still here with Casey Anderson, singer, songwriter, and Blazer fan extraordinaire, at least F on Twitter if you want to track him down. Talked about things to be excited about, but Casey, I know you. you, What you find, what what removes you, are things to be concerned about. So when you watch this Blazer (laughs) team... They're 2-1. They're within a game of Memphis for the eighth seed. They're a game clear of the 10th place San Antonio Spurs while we're recording this on Wednesday evening. What concerns you about this Blazer team when you watch them? A couple
1: things. Day, I, I have had my eye on, we know that Dame has had the foot issue, whatever it is. Um, and so I, he has looked at times about a half a step slow, but he looked better against Houston. So I think it's worth keeping an eye on his health, Um, and and how hard he's able to go because they need him to go as hard as he can if they're going to advance, and especially if they're going to give the Lakers a series if they get to that eighth seed. Exactly. Um, The other concern for me is that um, I think what Zach brings to the team is great in terms of size, energy, and his ability to stretch the floor a little bit, but we have seen – some of the same problems from him in these first few games that we saw early on in the season and throughout the course of last season, and that he just can't seem to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, three fouls
0: seven minutes, just as like, it just brings back all your worst nightmares.
1: Yeah, and it's not, and I understand that there is, you know, the prevailing sentiment around Blazer fans is that he's got you know, the refs kind of have it out for him. And I think that even if that's the case, that he is at a point in his career now where he needs to be able to adjust to that. And he hasn't been able to adjust his game to that. And they need him on the floor for them to be successful.
0: Specifically against Boston, when he picked up those three early fouls, one of them was a good challenge block. You like to see him do that. One of them was Hassan Whiteside got uh, bit on a pump fake and Zach kind of had late help and got over there and committed a foul. You could say that's Hassan's fault. You could say Zach just needs to rotate over and not challenge. And then the other one, Zach just did a, a stupid reach in on someone going through the lane. I think if he cuts out the stupid stuff, he's going to get some sort of like just big man foul calls. He's going to get, um, He's gonna. He's he's a guy who challenges shots at the rim. He's going to be going to be a high foul guy, like just by virtue of his skill set. But the stupid stuff is what you. He's got to cut out of his game. He just can't pick up cheapies. Yeah, it's
1: a, it's those frustration fouls, right? He got he got too quick, and then he he was very clearly frustrated, and he made that third reach in foul. And then it, it's a, it's not a coincidence that they were in a hold of Boston early because he couldn't be on the floor. Exactly. Um, and then my third, you know. My third biggest concern is just what kind of performance are they going to get from Hassan night in and night out? He because looked, we finally
0: have, looked good against the Houston Rockets. He was he really was, bad in the first two games, and then he finally looked useful against Houston.
1: Yeah, he looked great against Houston, and we saw that again throughout the course of the season. I mean, there were games where he was absolutely dominant, and mm-hmm. it felt like he was a piece— That could be, you know, you could get really excited about the idea of him and Nurk on the floor at the same time and what that could do to defenses and what kind of space that could free up for Damon CJ. Um, But when he's setting, you know, like when he's setting lazy screens, when he's chasing blocks Instead of holding down the paint when he's making all of these mental errors that we've seen him make throughout the course of the season, or it looks like he, you know, he maybe is just checked out. And I don't want to, like, I'm not a professional basketball player. I don't want to question his effort, but there are games where it seems like Hassan has just decided that that's a day where he didn't really want to come to work and they can't afford to have him phone any games in.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you, you, in the NBA, if you get a reputation, it's yours until you shake it. And so I don't think he's he can shake the sort of laziness stat hunting stuff. Like he, the dude has been in the league too long to shake it. It's going yeah. to be with him the way he the way you shake that label and maybe that's the way we feel about all humans and not just NBA basketball players is that you you shake it by out, like performing above those above that level so anytime that you maybe regress back the label comes up big so yeah. I think some of it is Hassan just can't he's not he's not going to be able to get out of the things the negative things we think about him uh, myself definitely included I've, if you've listened to this podcast dear listener you know that I have said. Maybe not nice things about Hassan Whiteside with some consistency. But to me, when he's he's in a position that's hard for him because I think limited minutes, having to be a self-starter off the bench is a challenge for like what I think are his issues. Yeah. But he's also has a chance to be one of the great backup centers in the league. Like I think And as Cantor has like finally settled into being like, oh, I can just kick ass as a backup center. And I think if Hassan can find that over these next five games, that's the secret, right? Like, oh, I'm going to play against backups or I'm going to get a chance against some backups. I'm going to kick their ass.
1: Hassan should should eat against most backup centers in the league. And he should have. And that was one thing where, you know, when you it, it was like him and Cantor. He should have eaten against Cantor. Yeah, Cantor cannot defend a, a player like Whiteside, and it just it was the absolute opposite of that. And then we saw Hassan set some really really poor screens, and that's it. And, and Dame and CJ need those screens to be solid in order to get loose. So yeah. if he's not gonna if if he's not gonna eat against a player like Cantor on the offensive end, and he's not gonna give what appears to be full effort on the defensive end. He he's more of a liability than he is an yeah. asset.
0: And and that kind of brings up what I think is the, my biggest concern about the Blazers is they only have seven good players. Yeah. And one of them is one of the 10 best players in the NBA. CJ McCollum is a very high-level sidekick. Yusuf Nurkic is, I mean, the center position is pretty stacked, but he's one of the very good centers in the league. But man, it's just, they need everyone to play so well. They just can't, no one, none of their top seven, none of those dudes can have a bad night and they can survive. And that's my my concern. It's not that, that those seven guys aren't good enough. It's that maybe a subpar night from Carmel Anthony will sink this team because there's no other options. And it's not like someone's going to get a chance. And I'm like, eh, Melo hasn't played very well. Let's see what Nazir Little can do for nine minutes. Like, no way. It's just going to be the, the struggling Carmel Anthony is just going to play more minutes.
1: Yeah. And we saw that, I mean, right out of the gate, Stotts tightened the lineup out and Ant wasn't on the floor for the first couple of games just because they couldn't afford to have those stretches where teams were running them off the floor when Dame was on the bench. And then that's that's exactly to your point. Like they cannot run a lineup any deeper than seven at the most eight people.
0: Yeah. And it's an eight is even dicey because it's Mario Ozonia and Anthony Simons. It's like yeah. – I. Those guys have their moments, but it's just can't, how much can you rely on them when um, the it is it is a very slim margin for error in this thing. Um, it's uh, I will say this. One of my sort of big takeaways from the bubble is the league should shorten the season and contract the number of teams because the games are good. When the games are very meaningful and there's only 20 teams in the league, they're good. They've been very entertaining.
1: Yeah, they've been great, and I was really worried that it was going to be sloppy because everyone had had right. four months off. Same. or And I kind of i I thought it was going to look a little bit more like playground ball, which I think really would have played into the Blazers' hands a bit more because of because Damian C.J. McCollum.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but the games have been good. Yeah, the no, games, really, the, really high quality basketball games. Um, yeah, the, the first five games on national TV in the in the bubble in Orlando were fantastic. They all like came yeah. down to the last shot. It was. It's been really good for the league, um, which I think was in danger of having an optics problem for sort of like the moral questions about running a bubble in the state of Florida, considering the current situation. And uh, if the games had sucked, it would have been easy to be like, they they shouldn't do this. But the games have been good. They've been a, a needed distraction, even if they're an amoral distraction.
1: Yeah, that's one I, I do. I I felt really conflicted about how quickly and easily... I was sedated by sports
0: like as, as
1: soon as baseball and basketball were back. I have had some manner of sport on in the background most of my days. And it has really, really pacified me and been, you know, like I think rather than saying sports bring people together, they should have just said it. sports will bring you much needed comfort at a time where you have very little comfort where, the, where you're not in your finding
0: life. it many other places. Yep. Well, let's come back in the third segment, and I want to ask you one more question, and it's it's this. I'll give it to you before the break. Is this, okay. is this a playoff team? Are we looking at a playoff team? That's what we'll talk about in the third segment. Still a pass-first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We're still chatting here with Casey Anderson singer-songwriter and true to his core pessimistic Blazer fan. He shared what he's excited about. He shared his concerns for the Blazers. Now let's just get to the point. The Blazers are 2 and 1. They're in ninth place a game behind the Memphis Grizzlies for eighth. Casey, is this a playoff team we're watching?
1: So there are two answers to this. Perfect. Is this a is this a team that will make the playoffs probably? I think by virtue of the fact that Memphis is not, is clearly not good enough to hang around. And, I hurt, don't, and
0: losing Jaron Jackson Jr. And they've lost losing, four in a row and they're beat up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Pelicans are good enough to hang around, primarily because if they're going to keep Zion on a minutes restriction, then that's a very different team with him off the floor. Totally. So I don't think they can hang. hang. So I think it's going to come down to the Blazers and the Spurs for those eight, nine seeds. And um, I just, I don't know. I, I haven't looked hard at the Spurs schedule. But if my choice is Blazers or Spurs, I, I'm, I would lean toward the Blazers. Now, are they a playoff team? Uh, I don't think that they're a good enough team to give the Lakers much of a series. And the Lakers haven't looked great. But I just, it's I, true. Other I, than
0: Anthony Davis, they haven't yeah, really looked perfect. They haven't.
1: And they might have the Lakers bench, might be the weakest of any playoff team. Especially with, (laughs) (laughs) hold on
0: now, Uh, (laughs) I can name one. Um,
1: The Lakers are not deep, but I don't, I just don't, I don't see the the Blazers being able to give them a series because I, Anthony Davis has looked so good. LeBron is LeBron. Um, The Lakers probably would not have Rondo back by that first round series, but I don't think that would matter. So yeah, I think the Blazers will probably squeak in. Um, I think they can maybe get a game, from the Lakers in that first series, but I don't think they'll be around much longer than that.
0: Yeah. A friend of mine texts me. He, he he was really excited after the, the Memphis win. And he said, man, they look so good. It's going to be such a fun five game series against the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Hey, that's come on, man. Come on. It's a great line, but come on.
1: It, yeah. It And the other thing is that they actually didn't look that good against Memphis. They, no, they, they looked terrible. Looked, they, they not
0: terrible, but they looked so flawed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they looked decent against the Rockets. The Rockets game was the first game where I went back and watched some of the game and thought, okay, they look decent. They did some things defensively with Harden that I thought were really smart, and they did some things offensively with trying to keep the ball in Dame and CJ's hands that I thought were, were really smart. But, I I mean, I think it's going to be the same thing, that if if they run into a team like the Lakers that are, that is big and active defensively, then they're going to have a hard time finding a guy to knock down the shot that they need to.
0: I think that's I think that hits the nail on the head is that one of the things like it when it, when it started to go south against the Rockets it's because they the offense stagnated because the Rockets were putting a ton of pressure at the point of attack and it, you don't free up that first action for the Blazers then their sort of instincts maybe aren't to keep running through the offense it's like hey Dame or CJ can you save us? and yeah. then you get you get some they had maybe 5 or 6 minutes there from the late third into that beginning of the fourth quarter when the offense just disappeared for a little bit. And my worry is that against the Lakers size and against how aggressive they can be, uh that could happen more often. But I that, we might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit talking about the Lakers. But that is the nature of fandom. That's why you're here. It
1: is and it, I mean I I just looked at it. they have they have the Nuggets next, I believe they have the Clippers after that and then they have the the Sixers after that, so it's not an easy road. to. No, every
0: league. game is going to be is going to be brutal. This is it's why I'm in favor of contracting the league. I don't want to see the Blazers play the Hornets and the Pistons. I want <laughs> I, I, I just don't care. I don't care. I want to see them play good teams every night. Um, yeah. It's it'll be interesting to see when we when we get to the back half of these games, the final three games here in Orlando, who still tries um, because home court advantage is not that important. So the difference between finishing sixth and, th- and third is not maybe meaningful anymore. Maybe there's some jockeying for position if you don't want to play the Clippers or you don't want to play this matchup. But um, the the back half of the schedule could be a little weird, depending on what teams decide to do. Uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind. Is there, when you watch this team, is there anything that could convince you, maybe not that they could they could beat the Lakers, but that they are maybe that they're a step above. Like, is there? Are, do, do you just need to see them play more games like Houston to be to be a believer? Or is there anything specific?
1: Yeah, I need to see, I, I need to see more games like we saw against Houston. Um, but I think that just the presence of Dame alone puts them a step above. I mean, there was we saw earlier this year he was the best player in the NBA for a month and a half. Yeah. And so if if he has it in him to shift into that gear again, then I think all bets are off.
0: Yeah. It's just uh is his is that groin in that left foot? Is he is he in good shape? And also, you know, can he get enough help that allows him to be in that gear? Because he does need a he does need a little bit of help so the all ten eyeballs are not on him every single time he comes down the floor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. All right, Casey, where can people get more of your stuff? I know you got an album coming out. If you want to tell us about it, please do.
1: I will. Uh, yeah, my record will be out sometime next spring. Um, but in the meantime, there are several other older records to choose from at Casey That's K A S E Y A N D E R S O N music.com. And on both Twitter and Instagram, I'm least L E A S D E F. Um, and I'm always grateful to anyone who gets that reference.
0: Yeah. Shout out to the most high. Um, I was trying to come up with how I could beat uh, Talib Kweli's handle, but I don't really like Talib. I'm not going to represent as uh
1: Yeah, now's, now's not a great time to... to...
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the worst alliance in hip-hop. <laughs> yeah. um, that's probably going to do it for our show. That is actually, I'll just say it. I'm in charge here. That is yeah. going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. Help us grow the Lockdown Blazers podcast by telling your friends about this show. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.